to Gain podcast. This is episode 18, covering week 17 of the 2023 NFL season. My name is Jeremy Dixon, here as always with Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing? Man, just ran out of the gym, the garage gym, to get here with seconds to spare. Um, just you're chatting actually, with you. You were actually you were actually two minutes late, but that's okay. Oh, two minutes late. Sorry. Anyways, um, yeah, it took me that long just to turn my computer on. But um, as we were chatting, you mentioned that you have this like emotional hangover from this Husky game uh, on Saturday. Do you want to expand it, on? It, it was on. Or was Monday. it? It was Monday. Monday. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Right. It's where I know I'm all off on my days too. Um, I just. I don't know if you noticed, Mike, when everybody else was celebrating, I was just kind of staring uh, at the you team. You were very quiet. And you were very quiet. Like, I just, I'm like, this is my favorite team, like, of all. Like, if I had to pick one team that I could only root for for the rest of my life, it would be the Washington Huskies. Like, I believe purple and gold. And just to be on the on the doorstep, I mean, of, of a 15-0 and season and a national championship, I'm like – Ah, man, I'm just, I'm a wreck. I'm a wreck. I won't, you know, it's, I just need Monday to get here and I need to, I need to deal with this. So have you thought about like how it's going to go for you uh, on the, what is it? The eighth? I mean, I'm, I'm just day to day right now. So Washington played Texas on Monday. I was, I was worried because I was convinced that the Huskies were head and shoulders better than Texas. And that's the first time I felt good in a while because, you know, we had been, we had to play, we had, we had a really like kind of murderers, murderers row of, of PAC 12 opponents. Um, and we were, we kind of stumbled with the, the games that should have been easy there for, you know, with the Washington state Cougars, it was a really tough game. Um, I think Arizona State and uh, who else was it that gave us? Everybody was Arizona and no Arizona was good. Arizona State and uh, Stanford gave us a run um, in between Oregon and USC, and then we it was, it was like USC, Utah, Oregon State, and that it was just like I, this, I this. believe they were ten and zero in games uh, where there was a one pos- of one possession games. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's crazy. I, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just been it's it's been so like just I mean, they're battle tested. That's the only thing I can keep I have to I keep telling myself. Like they've been in these these battles, these wars, um and I, I just I I'm hoping for the best. Mike, I have right, some, some interesting stuff on I have some interesting stuff on Michael Penix that I heard Mike Lombardi talking about that I wanted to touch on later. Awesome. Let's do that. So um, let's start with the generic corner. I did ma- uh, make some bets this week. Um, just a quick review. I had um, Detroit at Dallas. I had Dallas minus six uh, and the over 53 and a half. Um, I really thought that the offenses would uh, would ball out and it's whether which defense was going to hold up. It turned out to be a low scoring game. I did get minus six with the Dallas win. Uh, however, oh, wait, no, I didn't. Never mind, because they only won by one. So I lost that anyway. Uh, my bad. Um, my next one was Miami at Baltimore at Baltimore minus three and a half. Definitely hit on that. Um, so uh, then I had Las Vegas money line at Indianapolis. Lost that. 
uh, Arizona plus 10 and a half um, at Philly. Um, and I got that. I won that one. So I ended up winning two. Oh, wait, my last one. I had the money line chargers over Denver. I just thought Denver was over with uh, uh, what's his name? Stidham in there. Um, I ended up uh, $88.95 over uh, in the green. So it was a positive day overall. Um, I got some bets coming up later um, that I think are going to do pretty well. Um, I did. I'll, I'll explain when we get there, but that, that was this week's bets. All right. Well, let's, uh, I guess let's get into these games. Let's do it. All right. New York Jets at Cleveland. That was a Thursday night game, right? Correct. All right. Post this game, New York Jets mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, Aaron decides not to play this season. I doubt this is, this team's worthwhile watching the rest of the year. For Cleveland, they clinch a playoff berth, uh, and they're pretty locked into that fifth seed. So, uh, good, uh, good for them. Um, it's been this been a while since they've been in the playoffs and this good. So, yeah, I mean, well, not the playoffs, but this good for sure. Man, Joe Flacco, what a freaking year this guy! Or not even a year, half a year. I don't even how many games has he even played with them? It's, it hasn't been that. Uh, he, he started four and participated in five, I believe. Okay. And and I don't he's not going to play this coming weekend. They already said because they're already locked into the fifth. They're season. Poland players. Yep. Yeah, that's. I mean, what what a freaking comeback, man! Like he he was talking. I, I heard and you know they talked to him after the game, and he was just like, I you know I thought it might be done. I really did, and and just kind of got the call at the last minute. And uh, he's like, basically, I think he basically was saying it was like he had finally stopped like expecting a call, and and that's when they called him. So um, good for him, though. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And the, the first note I had on this game was like, how the hell did I like look up and all of a sudden the Cleveland Browns are 11 and five. That's crazy, man. And I saw, yeah, some not, stat, I saw some stat Mike that said that they're the first team that's ever had, that's made the playoffs and, and had four different quarterbacks start two or more games for them. It's the defense. Well, let's, before we go too far, Joe Flacco game ball. I wanted to call that out. Um, he is I'm giving the game ball in, in part to the totality of the work over these four games. He had another 300 yard games, three touchdowns, also two turnovers versus the Jets. But that makes four straight games over 300 yards. And he's he's thrown for 11 touchdowns this, so far this year. Um, I also want to say he is kind of old school in the way that you have the, the the three touchdowns and the two interceptions or the three touchdowns and an interception. There is barely a day goes by that he doesn't turn the ball over in some way, yeah. but he does have that like gunslinger mentality where he's just like, I don't care about the stats. I'm going to get it downfield. They might, you know, turn me over at one point, uh, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep tossing it. You don't see that very much in the NFL anymore. There's a lot of conservative quarterback play. The The quarterbacks seem to be system quarterbacks in a lot of ways. Not that they're uh, overall a system quarterback, but they are forced to play within whatever system is in front of them. So you, you don't see a lot. They want to minimize mistakes or mitigate mistakes, however you want to look yeah. at it. And he's cut from that old cloth. Did you say, I think you said he had two turnovers. He only had one at the one interception. He did. Fumble. I think he had a fumble. He fumbled yeah. twice, but he, he, both of them, he didn't lose either of them. All right. Either way. Either way. Yeah. But yeah, I still, good, I just don't want, I don't want to throw any shade on Flacco. So. 
I'm, I'm in on Flacco. Mike, I did. I heard an interesting story uh, during this game that the um, that I think Al Michaels was talking about that this was actually the first Monday night football game was between the Jets and the Browns back in 1970. And uh, the announcers were Howard Cosell, Don Meredith, and I, I, I actually texted you to see if you would get it. And it's it's uh, a, a, another like you know pretty high profile uh, announcer. And it was oh Keith, right, Keith Jackson uh, had played. He was he was on the Monday Night Broadcast booth for one year before kind of switching full time to college football. Um, you know, in that 1970 season, which is pretty cool. Live from the Polo Grounds. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, I thought that was cool. And kind of fitting with the Rose Bowl being played a couple days later. So, well, let's give uh, David and Joku a shout out. 134 receiving yards this game. He has, seems to have really good chemistry with Flacco. Um, he's gone for 373 receiving yards and three touchdowns in these last four games that uh, Flacco started. So, uh, really just, good chemistry between those two. I enjoyed the post game kind of festivities. Like, you know, say whatever you want about Cleveland fans, but those freaking guys and gals are diehards man they they nobody left they were the players are running around the field you know shaking hands with with the crowd and signing autographs and david and joku uh they got a picture of him in the out in the parking lot after the game hanging out with thousands of fans taking shots uh out of the back of some guy's car it was just like Great, complete craziness, but it, it just seemed like David and Joku was there for all of it. I loved it. Yeah, I'm always kind of hit and miss with uh, Cleveland fans. They can be some of the most disgusting in the league, and they're also uh, some of the most heartwarming when they win and stuff like that. Like when LeBron won that, uh, Cleveland kind of like collectively let out a sigh of relief and just started bawling with joy. So there's some, some cool things about that part of it the fandom part but they're they're also like complete animals so i gotta say man i'm i'm uh i think after baltimore and the afc i'm probably rooting for cleveland so yeah i mean there we we can talk about that maybe next week like what we think is like based on because we'll we'll know who's in what position and what are the first round lineups and things like that and we can talk some potential but i'm right there with you from the afc i think that's probably the top two teams uh just because uh defense travels defense is what you know can get you through some of these times um in the playoffs you know it's going to be hard to overcome um Baltimore but you know Cleveland knows how to do it run it down their throats uh Actually, because they Buff like Buffalo as well that's the other team I'm kind of pulling for did that. I say Buffalo or I meant Cleveland no, no but, you, uh, said, you did say Cleveland I'm just oh, okay I'm just reiterating that Buffalo's the other the third team yep. I'm pulling for in that conference more on that to come I guess but yeah it'll be fun all right all right uh Detroit at one or no or Jordy David Njoku oh, my bad my bad my bad was that in your notes? Yeah. Okay. David, uh, Detroit at Dallas. Um, I think the only thing we need to talk about here is the tackle eligible situation. This game was like whatever most of the day. I got a spotlight for Dak Prescott, 345, two touchdowns and a pick. And CeeDee Lamb gets my game ball, 227, a yeah. touchdown. He did fumble the ball in a weird situation, which we can talk about. But 
Let's talk about the talk, tackle eligible situation first. What was your take on that whole thing? Yeah, I've heard at first I was, I thought I heard the announcer in the booth say, or the, the, whoever the, uh, the ex official that they always have kind of come on for these games um, to talk to. They, he was saying there was actually like three fouls on the play and there was some there, there was an uncovered, the end, the guy at the end of the line was uncovered and this and that. And that was like the only time I heard that though. Like I haven't heard that once since then. And then he, and he didn't bring it up again on the broadcast. So he must've been wrong about that when he kind of blurted it out, but uh, it sure looked like uh, Taylor Decker, I think is, is who we're talking about here that caught the touchdown or the two point conversion that was then uh, ruled as an the go ahead at the time. Yeah. And it would have been the go ahead. Um, but I've heard since then that, what you because you see him like you see two guys I think it was Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker walk up it was number seventy and sixty eight walk up to the official and apparently it's like fifty fifty nine and sixty eight seventy was Penny is like fifty nine or fifty eight something okay, like that I'm getting the numbers it was so anyway I heard that now today I heard something that Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker walked up and Penny Sewell said he's eligible I'm not to the referee, but Taylor Decker, that that's what this is the NFL's line apparently, but either way. And then uh, apparently Dan Campbell had told the officials in, in the game or leading up to the game, like, Hey, watch for us switching 70 and 68. Um, no, no, no. He just lined up the play what he was going to do. No, but 70 said, was subterfuge. No, Dan, or, I mean, sorry. What, whoever it was, he, they, he was saying, watch for us switching got switching linemen as eligible and ineligible in this game he told the officials that early in the before the game started and so there it's just all kinds of weirdness i don't know what the what what should have been right and what should have been wrong but either way once that's called like why does dan campbell still go for two two points there from the seven yard line that's crazy um I don't know. Take the extra point and try to get your goddamn team to a, a two seed or whatever. I think they can get up to the. Two I mean, in in retrospect, it was a bad idea because it didn't wasn't successful. And you know, the odds say it probably is not a good play. And a lot of people are you know on X are saying or whoever that is are saying that you know, hey, you shouldn't have gone for it. You should have kicked the field goal, tied it up. You didn't get it. Live to fight another day. Um, he has that mentality. Um, this is what we make fun of Riverboat Ron for and Brandon Staley um, for not going for it when they need to, not taking an opportunity to uh, in a hostile environment with an opportunity to win and get out of there. Um, they knew they were in the playoffs. So it's a little, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate the whole thing was called back in the first place. So, yeah. I'll, I'll have to look at the formation, but the reason they had multiple guys going up there was so that Dallas could not tell who was the actual eligible tackle. And the fact is that the, the NFL, whether they put it on paper and admit to it or not, removed that um, that officiating group from any further playoff games. They oh, demoted them as a result of this. I so they they basically, through doing taking that action, admitted – that they were wrong in what they did. And the fact that the, that the referee 
did not see 70 there at all. I mean, he was on the other side of the, the formation um, and then threw the flag because 70 uh, was and then said 70 had reported when 68 had reported. So it's an entire mess up. I really feel for Dan Campbell. I felt like he was like, well, F you, I'm going to get it now anyway. So yeah. part of and that, and that's just an emotional decision that, you know, had a had a and, downstream effect. But and then it is Micah, what it is. Micah Parsons jumped off sides when they were at the seven anyway. So they got the ball moved up to the three and a half. And then I'm like, yeah, well, now you probably are definitely going for it. So, well, uh, that that's how that's how it all went down. So, right. I mean, yeah, going for it on seven and getting getting that, you know, um, fault that offsides. I mean, it kind of negated the whole first penalty. But now you can't run that same tackle eligible play. You can't. That's the perfect opportunity to do it when they're not prepared for it. That's yeah. the play that you have in your back pocket when you need to get two points and you're like almost 100 percent. They didn't practice for that. Right. And that was going to be the play to get them possibly into the two seed and, and, and throw the Cowboys into the fifth seed. Um, and it it was completely botched by the referees, in my opinion. And it sucks for them. Yeah, too bad. Because I, I, I love Detroit and Dan Campbell, and I hate the Cowboys. So um, Dan Campbell's comments after the game were were pretty pretty amazing too. He just was like, he's pissed. Oh yeah, and so the, he's just like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And then somebody asked him another question about it, and uh, he's like, Look, Dave, I'm not trying to get mad at you. I just don't like losing. Okay. It's not fun. Like I was just like, I love, he's so honest and just kind of raw. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And yeah. if there's something that's uh, really, uh, you know, cool about that. Yeah. All right. Anything else about this game? No. Detroit lost by one no. point because of this, whatever. All right. New, New England at Buffalo, man, God bless Bailey's happy. He's out there really trying to win these games. Uh, but this week instead, he throws three interceptions. I guess the good news, uh, New England had moved up to the third pick and might have a shot at Marvin Harrison Jr. What do you think they would uh, yeah. Who's got the second pick at this point then? Uh I had it open. Oh, yeah, not off the top of I think it's um Washington. Okay. So, you think you think it's probably Caleb Williams, Drake May 1 2 and then New England's I mean, does, oh man. Maybe New England trades back. They just think they desperately need a quarterback, though. So as it stands right now, it's Chicago through Carolina, Washington, New England, Arizona, who dropped two spots. They were last week. They were in the the fourth. They had the second pick, That's but um, they beat the Eagles. More to come on that. But um, well, Chicago is the X factor here. There's a lot of buzz that they're there's they potentially keeping uh, Justin Fields. And if that happens, there's no need to take the first pick. Maybe you trade with Washington or New England or even Arizona or whomever. I think Arizona's set in their quarterback, though, so I don't know if they're going to trade up like that. But if we can get them flipping around here, um, I think Chicago might try to get some assets and then take a shot at uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., so if that happens, I mean, maybe Washington or New England – well, New England unlikely – but maybe you can get somebody else to jump up. Um, it ha would have to be, I would think, Washington or New England to jump up, right? Because Arizona is going to take. If Arizona's there, they're going to take Marvin Harrison. Well, I can't um, imagine. They don't, they don't need yeah, a quarterback. 
I, I can't imagine uh, Chicago moving down further than where they if first of all if i'm chicago i'm trading justin fields and i'm drafting caleb williams but so what does washington they have a new owner do they go they flip trades a little little put a little uh you know copper on there for it maybe a third round pick or whatever and then you know washington picks caleb and then carolina or uh, chicago goes marvin harrison well, you're gonna have to Drake more. I mean, you're gonna have to if you're moving up to get the quarterback, though. It's like that. You throw all the the numbers out the window. It's like you got to give up something of value. They probably they but Washington might have to give up another first round pick to move. What up. whatever they're not giving up two first round picks to jump one spot in the first round. If they're worried that New England's gonna come up over them and grab them, they might. New England is not trading up. Okay. Not if well, what if Bill Belichick gets fired or moves on? They're not gonna fire him. Well, I know they're not going to. Okay, what if Bill Belichick moves on to another team <laughs> through a trade or something, or resigns and they're able to? Anyway, I think that I just don't think that. Yeah, I mean, Chicago, you're not trading out of the number one spot if you're not getting something of like significant value. I would think so, even if it's just moving down one. Well, obviously, know. you want to have commiserate value for that first spot. There's no question there. But if you don't need a quarterback and there's a lot of people standing in line to do that, then you have an opportunity to trade back. But if you're really targeting a particular player uh, that you think is going to go in the top three, top four, you don't want to leave that space. Then you have to really start looking at who can I make a deal with? Yeah. So that's where it becomes complicated. I just feel like, yeah, Chicago's got to hold that pick. Like, hey, we're taking Caleb Williams. We're going to get rid of Justin Fields. And if but if you want, take Justin, if you're going to keep Justin Fields, you can't do that. But what I'm saying is you have to go into the negotiation like we'll just we'll trade Justin Fields and take Caleb Williams if you don't give us enough to move off of this pick. You, you say nothing. You're not you're not negotiating at all. The, the word you put out is that we're good. OK. And then take anyway, and then and then, and then take we're, calls. We're, <laughs> we're going down a rabbit hole right now that we do not need to be down. Um Let's talk about YOLO Josh Allen for a minute. Okay. Because um, he throw he he throws for fifty percent on his of his passes for one hundred and sixty nine yards and an interception. Uh, he, he does did. he does run for forty four and get two touchdowns. Um, he did get my game ball. And he did he also actually fumbled twice but didn't lose either of them. Uh, so that's good. But yeah, I mean it's man. The passing numbers just are not his his passing game is not looking good. And he took a crazy big hit too late in the game that just seemed kind of unnecessary. I think for me, whether you like the yellow Josh Allen roller coaster or not, uh, it's really hard to ignore his versatility, his strength, his athleticism at that position. He's so big, such a big arm. I mean, when he's firing, everything's accurate and deep balls are accurate you know, intermediate balls are accurate. He's, I mean, he can buy you time. He can, I mean, he can diagnose defenses. He's not, he when he gets into trouble is when he tries, he tries too hard, right? He only got sacked once, but it was for 15 yards. So that's kind of terrible, but. Yeah, that's obviously him trying to accept, uh, <laughs> like extend a play and kind of getting caught up in it. That's the YOLO part though, right? It's just funny to me that, Bailey Zappi with his no touchdowns and three interceptions 
and he did have one rushing touchdown. Um, he had a higher QBR and passer rating. Or no, sorry, passer rating was just lower. But he had a higher QBR than than Josh Allen. Josh Allen's QBR was only nineteen point eight. Who would you rather have? Of course, I'd rather have Josh Allen. <laughs> I just think it's funny. But I guess, you know, New England seems to always play Buffalo tough. So, yeah. Yeah, think... their defense is still good. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and they're, it's, they're it's, missing, they're... like, I just heard on the Bill Simmons podcast the other day, didn't even realize they're still missing Matthew Judon and uh, that rookie uh, Christian Gonzalez is has yep. been out since like week two. So, um, and uh, yeah, James Cook single-handedly decimated my fantasy football team this week. I, I'm, I'm out. Right. You won't hear any more about it. Um, one catch for negative four yards and uh, 16 carries for 48 and zero touchdowns. Well, I'm glad you're free of the stress finally. I am too, man. I, I don't need it. I'm stressed out enough with this Husky football situation. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, my spotlight, Buffalo Bills, the team. Um, this team has the most variability in playoff position if they lose uh this weekend this week coming up they could miss the playoffs completely if they win they could win the the afc east so um it's really weird i'm it's what's so and they're the last game of of week 18 so we won't really know any of this until um till the end of the Till that game is over, really. I'm kind so, of I'm excited though to know. Like I, I kind of hope that all the cards break so that if Buffalo wins, they win the division. If they lose, they're out of the playoffs because that would make it so much more mean. You know, I mean, just like the drama attached to that's going to be wild. So you would need, I think, Pittsburgh to win, and like. Jacksonville to lose and one of the Houston um, other guys to lose in that scenario. Okay. Well, we'll know for sure going, I mean, but I, they're going to, they're not going to waste a chance to, to paint that picture going into the game. So, you know, I mean, if you have an opportunity to win and, and, and get in, I mean, you got to take it, just kind of put all doubt down. I mean, Miami already is there uh, in the, in the playoffs. They're significantly hurt. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I've actually been pretty impressed about how they kind of roll out new guys onto the field. Um, but what's that Eli Apple guy? That guy's a liability out there in the secondary. Their pass rush got weaker this last week. Um, Tyree kills in a walking boot today. Like, who knows? Who and knows? His, and his house caught on fire. That That's stress in itself. Yeah. But these guys, I mean, these, these guys are pretty <laughs> that right. These guys seem to be pretty good in, in a moment to be able to put that away and just focus on things. But yeah. um, it's hard as it happens throughout the week because that stress, like today, he gets that has to deal with that stress. But can he can he shut it down the rest of the week to focus? Who knows? Right. Anyways, we're talking about New England, Baltimore, or Buffalo here. Better uh, wrap <laughs> today. This has been fun. All right, let's just move on. Uh, Atlanta at Chicago. Uh, this game was. Uh, more about Justin Fields than either Atlanta's chances of getting to the playoffs. They're not mathematically eliminated yet, or or Chicago's draft position. Justin gets my game ball. Um, what's your pre- prediction with his Bears career? 
Um, I know I went on a, a tirade um, probably seven weeks ago about how I keep hearing that the Seahawks should go out and get Justin Fields in the sure. offseason. Um, and I'm actually feeling like that would not be the, the worst idea ever. Um, I think the Geno Smith experiment has kind of run its course. Um, not that he's a bad quarterback. I just think they need something different and if they're going to bring Pete Carroll back and they're going to keep running back this same like dead freaking offense that doesn't do anything creative. Um, let's get a guy that can make stuff happen and he's big and, and can run the ball and all that stuff. So I I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the bears draft Caleb Williams and trade Justin Fields. Cause I would be Geno willing- Smith gets the ball out faster than everyone in the league except for two people it's like two and a half seconds i don't think that geno smith i think with our offensive line though like i'm just yeah but the same thing applies to justin fields he's gonna get sacked too i mean for me seattle needs to get a bunch of other stuff done i i mean in the right situation maybe justin fields if he if he's gonna be traded hey let's take a shot at it let's see That's, but, that's where like, I'm I'd, I'd love to see him on another team. I want to see him on like Pittsburgh or Atlanta and just see what he can do with some better skill positions and stuff like that. But even but with not Pittsburgh per se, but the other teams are kind of like that are that we thought would be a good landing spot. When Arthur Smith, I'm not sure he has a job next year. Who knows? So, I mean, I wouldn't want to, as Justin Fields, be put in a position where I'm getting traded from one kind of like weirdly ran – you know, franchise to another. I want some place with stability, something that has perhaps a good defense and a solid offensive line and some skill position to build from ideally. So, I mean, he may not have that opportunity or choice because he will be most likely traded, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, uh, what, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, that uh, Chicago decides to, to move on, but that's just kind of a selfish hope. Um, I would probably, if I'm Chicago, I would probably try to trade down a couple spots, draft Marvin Harrison, and then get with that second first round pick that you have that's going to be at like 10 or whatever. I'd just get the best offensive lineman available and just try to build this thing up with DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison and Justin Fields. And then shoot, man, Khalil Herbert, 18 carries for 124 yards and a touchdown. That's not too shabby either. I just don't know who's going to be there. Maybe you just maybe you just take Marvin Harrison first. They might. You never know. I just don't know who's like. There's. I don't think there's any way that you're going to be able to trade out of that first pick and still get Marvin Harrison. That's the thing that I just you don't think to, it's possible. I mean, you would have to either trade to two or three if if it's Washington. Exactly. You can't. Yeah, you, Arizona can't get below you, but then. If you go to three, you have to worry about Arizona coming back up to two to get him. Because then, you know, yeah, because then whoever, yeah, because if you drop, if you drop down to three and just for, just for argument's sake, say New England trades up from three to one, takes Khalil Herbert, not Khalil Hmm? Herbert, sorry, Caleb Williams. Sorry, I got too many names in my head. Trades up, gets Caleb Williams. <laughs> then Washington's sitting there at two, and they're like, well, Arizona's just offered us a first-round pick or whatever, second-round pick, to trade up from four to to two to get uh, 
Marvin Harrison when Chicago already passed on the best quarterback in the draft class? Are they going to really take Drake? Could you Day? imagine Caleb Williams on New England? No, but I don't think New England's <laughs> New England's not going to be New England next year because I don't think Bill Belichick's back. It's not going to be the no fun New England Patriots anymore. Well, it just depends on when it all goes through. I mean, I don't know when you make the decision. Um, I don't think they're going to fire him. He's still under contract, and there'd be a lot of bad blood if, if Kraft came in and just fired the guy. Um, I don't think that. There's so, no way he's getting fired. Pete Carroll's not getting fired. Neither is Bill Belichick. They're going to – but I, I have I, – I would say it's better than 50-50 chance that neither of them are back next year in some way, shape, or form. Like Better you know, than 50-50? I think it's better than 50-50. I think it's a 25% chance Pete Carroll's gone after next year. And I think it's maybe like a 47% chance that I don't think it's, I don't think it's 50, 50. I don't think it's a coin there's flip a that those smoke. guys are not going to be there. There's a lot of smoke around Bill Belichick right now. That's just the stuff coming out of your ears, man. All right. I want to spotlight uh, Arthur Smith real quick. Team aside, he doesn't seem to know how to manage the team. Atlanta at least seems to be, built similar to Tennessee where they have um, they've had to get a the quarterback um, position. They haven't got the quarterback position remotely. Correct. Right. Um, and they have a, they have a decent running game, a decent defense, you know, kind of the similar place where Arthur had some success as the OC um, for some reason, he can't create that any level of consistency with his offense. Um I'm not sure what to do with him at this point. Like his indecision in um, like making changes to the to the team. He'll like he'll bench a quarterback and bring another quarterback in, and and he'll just do that over and over again. And I think it's this indecision or this. He seems like it's been said he's this very smart guy, right? Knows the stuff a lot, knows the schemes, knows all the stuff. And I just sometimes these guys that are so smart overthink. Yeah or overanalyze every little thing. And then ultimately they just sit there and don't make the right decision because they're over. Think, Maybe I should do this. And then they question that decision. And then before you know it, they're starting. Uh, um, what's that quarterback's name? <laughs> uh, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't make sense. I'd like to see a little bit more out of that team. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, All right. Yeah. Also, though, um, on Chicago, DJ Moore had a hell of a game with 159 yards receiving. Just wanted to show. Always him. does. Yeah. Good yeah, shout out for that. He's really, yeah. Uh, he's really come. Or, yeah. He's really coming around, man. Another another touchdown. I think just it, it seems like him and Justin Fields are finally getting a really good rapport. So good for them. Yeah. So I mean, offensive line. I mean, if they're going to keep Justin Fields, offensive line. Maybe get maybe you don't get Marvin Harrison. There's a there's a bunch of good uh, receivers that should be around uh, when they come back around. Maybe you get somebody like Rome. Um, there's a couple other guys out there. Maybe you just grab one of those guys. Uh, but another top tier weapon uh, for Fields, a good offensive line. Um, their defense competes. I think they could be at the top of uh, the NFC North in a season or two. Hey, speaking of Roma Dunze, I keep hearing people calling him, him Romy, Rome, Romy, uh, uh, and pronouncing his last name correctly. Uh, he went on Twitter today and was like, Rome, 
uh, whatever. He's like, maybe I'm saying my own name wrong. I don't know. Everybody's <laughs> screwing it up now. So anyway, all right. Uh, Las Vegas go. and Indianapolis. Um, Las Vegas is no longer in the hunt for the playoffs. India's Indianapolis is currently holding the seventh seed and is in a must-win situation versus Houston to make the playoffs. Um, so is that, a win- still- is that a winner-in game? Uh, not necessarily. I think it. I think it matters on whether the, like Buffalo has to lose too. Okay. Um, actually, are they in right now with Buffalo there? So their current Indianapolis is currently the seventh seed. Houston is currently the eighth seed. I think this is. It's not a winner in scenario. I think it like if Pittsburgh wins and the the Indianapolis Colts Texans game ends in a tie and Jacksonville loses. <laughs> Pittsburgh's getting, in. Getting in the weeds, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So okay. it's unlikely Pittsburgh makes it in. So based on that scenario, winner of this game gets in at the seventeen. Okay. Assuming Buffalo uh manages to make it in as well. Right. There is a potential, I think, where you could have two AFC South teams in this thing. So, or I guess that's the, the likely scenario, which is odd because we always think of these AFC and NFC South as being kind of the worst conferences and their uh, worst divisions in their conference. Yeah, I'm interested to see you gave your game ball to between Jonathan Taylor and uh, Gardner Minshew. Jonathan Taylor, I just think he means more for that team, especially um, if he mitigates uh, Minshew's kind of like gunslingerness and he uh, is able to kind of like grind wins to a nub, which they did here, 23 uh, to 20 over Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, not a real exciting game. The You know, I guess the good portion of the points came in the, all in the second half. I mean, I guess Indy had four, it was up 14 to three at halftime, but um, yeah. I think, I I think we should spotlight the Indianapolis uh, offensive line. Um, I think last year they caught a lot of flack. They spent a lot of money on their offensive line and they were like hit and miss week to week. This group seems to be really pulling together right now. Uh, The front four um, have been on, or the Las Vegas, I'm sorry, the Las Vegas front four have been on a tear lately, right? Uh, with Max Crosby and, and those guys just pairing up offensive lines. Um, but they were only held to one sack and only two quarterback hits in this game, basically keeping Gardner Minshew clean because he doesn't w- operate well into the pocket. That's so important for this team. Just let him kind of stand in there, not have to move around. The second he has to get off his drop and move left or right, uh, it just turns into a, a, a shit show. They're also running the ball well, 134 yards in a TD as a team this week, um, and obviously reducing turnovers. Um, I mean, they're imperative for uh, Indianapolis' success. Yep, yep. So. All right, Rams at Giants. Uh, Rams locked down the sixth seed with the win. Giants did their best to be a spoiler um, over the last two weeks. Um, just Tyrod and, and those Giants couldn't get it done. Uh, he throws for over 300 in this game in a TD, uh, but they get like a punt return for a TD and then a special teams. Uh, like they, they give it and they take it away. Mason Crosby missed like a 50 plus uh, field goal and a, and a point after touchdown 
you know, they brought Max Crosby in because their other kicker got hurt or, you know, wasn't working out and they pulled him off the street and he just kind of like been shanking things left and right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, this New York I giants. I, I couldn't believe that the Rams let, let New York get as close as they did. I think they took their foot off the gas a little bit, you know, um, that's what it felt like, at least defensively. Um, Tyrod started to push it downfield a little bit, you know, the, their, their running back, the Giants running back, um, pulling it up. Saquon? Yeah. Saquon just did not look good. No, only 12, um, 12 carries for only 39 yards. I had that marked down too. Honestly, if to, to be picked that high, I wouldn't, Maybe once in a while, you just get somebody that focuses on him so much. But this was not that, right? The, the Rams have been running that forefront the entire time, and they're not blazing through the NFL from a you know, defensive standpoint. That team is held together with, like, super glue and, uh, and duct tape at the moment. So I, I just get the 39 yards against this team just seems ridiculous. But this team competes, the Rams. Um Matt Stafford got my spotlight, 71% passing on 34 attempts. He's still slinging it, 317 yards and a touchdown. Um, the New York, the the Giants blitz at about – he did have the two picks. Um, one was – he was overthrowing them. So that I, I went back and I looked at him to see if it was – if he was blitzed on those uh, because his, his completion percentage drops to about 55% on blitzes. Um, and I was like, did they blitz him in those scenarios? Um, New York Giants blitz about 45% of their defensive downs. Um, the first one, he just sailed. Uh, the second one, they did they did come with a blitz, but it didn't seem so immediate that he uh, had to get rid of it too early. I just think he sometimes has errant throws that, you know, just sail on, sail on him a bit. So, Yeah. How about uh, Puka Nakua, man? This kid just keeps doing it. He does. Yeah, he's impressive. 118 yards this week. I think 28 yards away from a rookie receiving record. So um, I'll uh, like to see if uh, how that works out for him. Um, too, bad we they're gonna... too bad we didn't see that in week, uh, you know, in the 16th game instead of uh, we we kind of talked about that with like C.D. Lamb this week and uh, Brandon Cooks last week, I guess. Uh, or not Brandon Cooks, I'm sorry. Uh, Amari Cooper last week with Cleveland setting uh, – franchise records for for yards and receiving that we're, we're glad they did it you know in 16 games so not doesn't have to be an asterisk or something next to it right oh. all right <clears throat> moving on arizona at philly this is a sliding this was a sliding game or sliding doors game for of the week for me uh philly wins uh they're 12 and 4 pretty much locked down the second seed and have uh the uh have two home playoff games and Arizona maintains the second pick of the NFL draft likely drafts Marvin Harrison Jr as we uh, indicated earlier instead Arizona wins drops to the fourth pick in the draft Philly with the loss ends up in the fifth seed kind of limping into the playoffs they have a what seems to be a feisty New York Giants uh game this week um who knows how that's going to go they're in Philly but I think sometimes momentum matters. So they're going to have their full guys out there uh, trying to win this game. There's a little like infighting in the locker room, like with this, with this team right now, 
um, that's not a good sign. So unless something drastic, you know, happens, this Philly team is unlikely to to make it past, you know, the wild card or divisional rounds. Right. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to talk for a second about uh, the Arizona running backs, James Conner and Michael Carter, those guys, they had, they put some, Michael Carter, I forgot about him, man. Like he was, he looked. Great. I was like, I looked at it. I go, is that the guy from the Jets? Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. They both had one reception for a touchdown. One uh, Michael Carter for six yards. James Connors for five. James Connor for five. But Connor had twenty six carries for one hundred and twenty eight yards and a touchdown. The guy is just a workhorse, man. Um, and then Michael Carter just had some electrifying runs he only he ran seven times for 61 yards that seems like a really good thunder and lightning kind of uh combination I really like I like this team man I think if they can get some um you know they need a receiver they need uh some defense obvious defensive help I think but I mean they have they have some good pieces if they can keep Kyler Murray healthy um you know he seems to be kind of getting back into into form and and playing pretty well if they like i said if if arizona can get a top-notch receiver like a one like a uh one probably they'll they'll need a one there but if they can get that guy in there they have a pretty good offense outside of that at least uh their starters or in their you know number ones in their depth chart then i'd like to see a little bit a little bit of depth at running back for them and then it's just defense and offensive line get some offensive line depth and they need a lot of pieces on defense. Um, and I think this will be a, a good team. Depending on this, how this draft goes, um, they have potential to be like a surprise team next year. And I do like Gannon as their as their head coach. Hopefully he has some influence in who they draft because Arizona seems to take some weird chances. And uh, I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to be able to, you know, do the right thing, as it were. Yeah, can we uh, talk for one second about um, Greg Dorch? Every time I sure. hear, every time I hear his name, I think he's a tight end, and then I see him catch the ball, and he's like a little, like short, shifty wide receiver, and he's black. I I thought he was a white tight end for this, like for the last two years. Like some German tight end or something yeah, like, from like he, Minnesota. Doesn't he sound like a yeah? He sounds like an Iowa tight end. I don't know. I didn't really. I haven't really thought too much about Dorch, but I I, I can definitely Dorch. see it. It's the name Dorch for a or Deutsch. Yeah. That's why you're doing it. Okay. Tight end every time. <laughs> so, uh, Connor got my game ball for all the reasons that you mentioned. My spotlight this in this game was uh, Philly's offense. They're one and four over the last five games. Uh, in those four losses, Philly has only managed about 300 yards per game total. Uh, they're averaging about a turnover and a half a game. So a lot of the stuff that they're doing isn't working along with the defense, not being able to stop anybody. Um, it's not a really good recipe for winning a Super Bowl. Right. Well, that's the problem. I think, man, is that you score 31 points in the NFL. Like you would expect, especially with all the, the names that Philadelphia has on their defense, you expect that you would win that game, right? Yep. So it's, it's tough, man. They're having a, a tough go of it right now. From what it sounds like, they're having a tough time getting some of the, the draft picks on the field. Um, so they need to kind of figure that out. And, you know, I've always mentioned like part of coaching is 
the teaching part and getting them ready to prepare, you know, prepared for the game. And that's not just mentally, that's not just repetition. That's like physical fitness and, and all those other programs that contribute to the success of a team. So those are the, the, the X factors that we don't really, you know, have purview to, we're not inside of the locker rooms. We're not inside of the, the strength training rooms. We don't know how good or not good their, um, their physical, um, their physical fitness team is so it's like it's hard to really tell when you say that you know um some of these guys are overweight and you know they aren't performing they can't make the field you know that's not really a good thing you know so i mean we're still they're still playing like brandon graham and all these like old dudes because jordan davis is overweight he had one tackle yeah one tackle in this game, and it's just not—it's not enough. You got your 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 stalwarts right now, Fletcher uh, Fletcher Cox and uh, Brandon Graham. I mean, those guys are like ninety. You got all this talent to cycle in, and they're just not—they're not coming through. True, true. All right, moving on to this New Orleans at Tampa Bay. This game was stupid. Derek Carr, seventy-five percent passing on thirty-two attempts. For only 179 or 197 yards. I, I don't even know how that math works. Um, he did have two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield, you know, looked really inconsistent 67%, 33 attempts for 309 yards. So this is like the opposite two touchdowns, two picks, and a fumble. So three turnovers for him. Um, New Orleans lost Alvin Kamara to the, in this game. They got a big game next week that they have to win. Um, I really think this game came down to the four Tampa Bay turnovers and just New Orleans having a better scheme on both offensive and defense. And they just seemed to kind of like figure out whatever Tampa Bay was doing a little bit better, right. uh, you know? So I don't know. I really would have expected the way the role that Tampa Bay was on, that they were going to be able to do this. Yeah. I was shocked. You know, I heard somebody say, because I think you know, so Tampa Bay just basically it just has to beat Carolina this weekend to to make the playoffs. And somebody was just like, look, if Tampa Bay can't beat New Orleans at home and Carolina on the road the last two win either of those games the last two weeks, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, well, they have all the tie breaks, weirdly enough, um, over New Orleans and um Atlanta, but those two teams can still make. If Atlanta beats Tampa Bay and New Orleans loses, Atlanta's in. This is bonkers to me. No, Carolina plays Tampa Bay. New Orleans, Atlanta plays New Orleans. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so if Carolina yeah, beats so, Tampa Bay and, and Atlanta beats New Orleans, New Orleans is or, uh, Atlanta is in. Okay. It's that's this crazy. math is insane. That's yeah. so nice, man. Like, yeah, it's it, there's a lot of a lot of intrigue this weekend. It's going to be fun to watch. Like I said, I mentioned the four Tampa Bay turnovers. It's just my spotlight this week is Tampa Bay's mistakes. Palmer had this huge deep catch, pulled it to the ground, and once it, you know, once he hit the ground, it, it he fumbled it. But because he wasn't down by contact, it was a live ball. Uh, they would have been at um, the New Orleans thirteen. Um, at that at that point, they did end up scoring a touchdown, and Godwin steps out of bounds on a two point conversion. It would have kept them within one uh, one possession of of tying the game. So it's all these like little things that they're not doing 
that is kind of like a, it's the accumulative effect of it is really preventing them from winning at all. Um, my game ball, I'm just going to light this game on fire. I couldn't find anyone that I really liked that stood out in this game. Um, yeah, I, I would say Taysom. Derek Carr, but I mean, his his passing numbers were garbage. Give it to Taysom Hill. But he, I was going to do that. He only had one touchdown catch. I know. For and five he, yards or whatever it was. He had two runs for one yard and one pass. Yeah. For, well, hey, let's give it, let's give it to him. <laughs> give it to him. It was terrible, man. It was terrible. I, I, the thing that stood out to me was like how as Tampa Bay, like I, what, what's their coach's name? The guy, he was the Jets coach for a while. Um, God dang it. I can't remember. He's just not like, I just can't stand him. I like, feel like he doesn't. Todd Bowles. I, yeah. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Uh, he just doesn't seem like he's got the fire, man. I, I don't know. I want, I want my, I want a more Dan Campbell than Todd Bowles. So. Um, but you know, yeah. How do you let your team get down 20, 20 to nothing before you score any points? Like all their points came in the fourth quarter. Like just too little, too late. Yeah, we've talked about just running out of time. Like when you start to find a rhythm and you just run out of time. Um, in those scenarios, you almost have to score on every single possession, no punts. And if that defense can force a punt, it just becomes a nightmare. All right, enough for that game. Let's light it on fire. Uh, San Francisco at Washington. Washington looks really bad. It, it just, they look like somebody let the air out of their tires. There was no, they're just definitely going through the motions. It's, it's, I looked on defense. They looked lethargic. They weren't really. They didn't care. They. I mean, they're just kind of like. Well, you trade away body language was bad. You trade away the heart and soul of the team, man. It's like. No, totally understand. I totally understand. And and they're not really playing for anything either. They they played pretty inspired for those couple of weeks right after they the trade, but then, you know, just everything kind of started melting down. Well, they found that they thought. What happened to Jacoby Brissett? I thought he was starting the game and then all of a sudden I think he got hurt in pregames or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Go for only, only Washington, man. And Sam Howell's about done with his two more interceptions. This, it, I don't know Looks what like I was. Brissette, Brissette had a, like a hamstring injury that okay. was, uh, that popped up. Flared up at the end. Yeah. Well, Brock Purdy has a bounce back game, you know, going for two thirty and two two touchdowns, um, but too little, too late for him now with the uh, that that one game. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen one game just destroy somebody's MVP candidacy like like uh, Brock Purdy had happen with that game against Baltimore. Yeah, it's unusual for that to happen that guy i mean he went from the favorite to like minus nine thousand or something like that it was or plus nine thousand it was pretty pretty crazy uh speaking of uh potential um issues cmc uh mccaffrey has a calf strain that he ended up in this game now they locked down the number one seed so i doubt i doubt we're gonna see anybody any starters playing any significant minutes this week because um, they can't improve their seating anymore. They've locked it in. Um, so they're going to sit their starters. So maybe just maybe he gets, cause they get the first round by as well. Maybe he gets a couple of weeks 
um, to get that healed and treated and he'll be ready to go uh, come that, that divisional round, but something to keep your eye on um, without him or without Debo or without Kittle or without Purdy, they, without um, what's their left tackle. There's, if any one of these guys are out, they just aren't the same team. So that's their core core four, core five people that really need on offense anyway, that really need to be there for that, that team to that offense to, to roll. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My game ball goes to Elijah Mitchell. Doesn't get it a lot. Doesn't get a lot of touches. He got 80 yards and a touchdown. He deserves it. I agree. Good for him, man. All right. Carolina at Jacksonville. This game was unwatchable. Quarterback play was abysmal. Um, this was by fur, by far the worst performance uh, by Bryce Young. 59% on 32 attempts, 112 yards and a pick. Um, this is his lowest total passing yard and pass and yard per attempt of the season. Um, he looked that, that lost was again. His, that, that was coming off of his best game. That was pretty disappointing. I was really hoping he was going to be able to make a little bit of noise. Yeah, I think that apparently like, a lot of people are saying – that's a lot, like a lot of people, the ominous they, uh, I have heard that that's in part because of the poor Green Bay defense and not so much what he has now figured out in the NFL. So until I see a couple of games in a row where he looks competent, I'll have to just, just have to say he's not free good. Adam, free Adam Thielen. I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, but my, I certainly my, can't believe he signed there as a free agent, man. So nobody. I mean, what are you going to do? You go where the, you know you go where they're going to pay the most money at the at his age. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville defense gets my spotlight. Six sacks, eight quarterback hits, held Carolina to 124 total yards, a turnover. Uh, they ha- held Carolina offense out of the red zone. A special shout out to Josh Allen. Uh, he is the Jacksonville offensive linebacker in a three, four. So he has several roles that he plays. He's essentially the Lawrence Taylor role. Um, it just essentially makes him that primary pass rusher. He just keeps getting better and better. He had uh, six tackles, three sacks and four quarterback hits in this game alone. I think he's third on, I think 15 and a half on the sack leader list. Um, it really, this game really bumped him up, but he looks amazing out there. He's everywhere. Yeah, he's he's pretty special. And game ball to Travis Etienne, sixteen carries, hundred two yards, uh, two, um, two rushing touchdowns, another yeah. sixteen yards receiving. So, so his his younger brother. I just just on a side note, um, his younger brother get over at Florida. Yeah, he plays for the University of Florida, but he transferred just uh, over the last couple of weeks to Georgia. Which is that's got to be people must just hate that you know because that's the big that's the big rivalry down there. Um, he, the punter for Georgia is like a pretty he's he's not like he's an older Australian uh, player you know I mean see, a lot of times the Australian guys don't come over until uh, after they played rugby for a while or something but yeah so he's he's a little older for his age but. Um, they got a the the quarterback at Georgia. You mean like forty three, or do you mean like, no, like twenty two or something? Oh, okay, like twenty five. But he went on. He's got a pretty big Twitter following, apparently. And the quarterback for Georgia said he was staying. He wasn't going to go to the NFL or transfer. 
um and then Travis and he wrote something like does anybody have the the he's like he's like our offense is going to be so good I'm not going to get to play does anybody have the the link to the transfer portal and then Travis ATN's brother transferred there he's like I- I'm having issues guys I really need to get out of here like how yeah I was like I almost thought it was like you know Kirby Smart doesn't seem like the kind of coach that like would take too kindly to that but I apparently he, he accepts it but pretty funny guy so anyway that's what they call sarcasm, Jeremy. I, I, Mike, I know sarcasm well. I deal with you all the time. <laughs> True. All right. Um, let's uh, move on to Miami at Baltimore. Uh, this game was pretty close until the second quarter. Then <laughs> Lamar hit Zay Flowers on a 75-yard touchdown, and it opened the floodgates. And then, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It was close until the second quarter. I like it. Um... Deep in the second quarter. It was almost <laughs> halftime. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson has a perfect passer rating in this game. Uh, Just was lights out, man. Five touchdowns, 320 yards, uh, added another 35 on the ground. Like, the guy seems unstoppable. He, I think Lamar Jackson, his overall stats this season aren't incredible, but he, I think he won the MVP uh this week and last week against the 49ers yeah um i'm sure i'm sure he's getting it for sure um lamar jackson's got my game ball obviously 86 86 percent completion on 21 passes for 321 five tds you probably already said that um Another 35 rushing. This dude is amazing. We talked about that play, the Zay Flowers. He actually, when he bit, went into his drop, he was in a left-handed quarterback position. And there was some, like they were interviewing one of the safety, I believe it was uh, Javon Holland, the safety for uh, Miami. And he was saying he dropped back as like a left-handed quarterback and the whole field shifted to the, to his left, to Lamar's left to the defense's right and he spun around and then fired that you know over Eli Apple um and just it was just like those little weird touches that just throws defenses off and he has Lamar has the athleticism to like take that snap and and get it fired down there I just I don't know how you beat that quarterback play you know it's going to be hard to outscore them well, Baltimore has outscored San Francisco and then Miami, who Miami's arguably the second best team in the AFC, and San Francisco is clearly the best team in the NFC. Uh, they outscored them, I think it was 89 to 36 over the last two weeks, which is just insane. Um, I also saw a stat I, that – oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the one thing I will I, – I, one thing I will say is – when it as it relates to Miami, there's two games I'm going to throw out uh, when I look at them, and the first one is going to be the 90 point or the 70 point game against Denver, and the and the second one's this, uh, the 56 point loss to um, uh, Baltimore. They're they're too much too big an outlier right now. I mean, there there was a couple of mistakes that double catch that Tyreek had in the end zone. You know, they they make that a touchdown and it's a different calculation. They were running the ball well um, against um, this. The word on the street 
is you can run against this team because they like to play light boxes, which means they have more defensive backs in the field to make it very difficult for you to throw against them. But that leaves it very light up front. So if you're a good running team, you can have some success against Baltimore. That's what Cleveland did. That's what Indianapolis did. That that if you, and they're good enough to do that, I think. And if they would have stuck to that a little bit, um, they just had so many problems. Miami had so many problems in their defensive uh, secondary that you know they were <laughs> the Ravens were putting up points left and right. And at some point, you have to throw to keep up. And I think that's where they got caught in that cycle of hopelessness against this team. But I feel like if they would have made some plays, kept up with the points, ran the ball, um, owned that you know possession clock, you know this has a different. And maybe they learn, hopefully they learn from it. Maybe this has a different outcome in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I also, uh, one other little side note on Lamar Jackson, I saw that he is now in his career 10-0 uh, and 0 in games he's started in December at home. Yeah, I think he's also undefeated against the N- NFC, so that's an interesting wrinkle if they make it to, play, or to, make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Did you have any other, no. any other stuff here? Okay. Um, Tennessee at Houston. Uh, welcome back, CJ, CJ Stroud. Um, Houston also had a defensive TD. That's about the summary of this game. Uh, they win. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I did – I really am a fan of CJ Stroud. I think that was – he should have – He has my game ball. Number one pick. Um, it goes for 213 in the touchdown. Um only sacked once, which is good to see. Only ran the ball once, which is good. We know we need to keep him, uh, keep him upright. And and uh, we got the concussion uh, getting sacked. Yeah. So no, that's what I'm saying. It's good he he only took the one sack. So um, they kept him kept him uh, upright for the most part. So my spotlight this week is Houston defense. I feel like they're back on track at least a little bit. Six sacks, twelve quarterback hits. Allowed only three points in this game. Um, held the Tennessee offense to under 200 points. Caused a turnover and scored a touchdown. I mean, that's a really good stat line for your defense. Um, they were kind of like they disappeared over the last couple of games. But um, they definitely, in, in part with C.J. Stroud and like keeping that offense on the field to give them that ample rest. Uh, so important to have a competent offense to give – you know, your defense time to yeah. kind of rehydrate, rest, and scheme and all that kind of other stuff. You watch the defense. If there's a turnover, then another turnover, they're so defeated that they got to be back out on that field at that moment. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Pittsburgh at Seattle. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one. Seattle couldn't stop the run. This is why they lost. About it, man. Um, <laughs> we we gave up more uh, more yards. I think I saw that to the, we. I mean, the Seahawks gave up more yards to to Pittsburgh than gave up more yards to Pittsburgh than any team has given up to Pittsburgh in like two and a half years or something. Yeah, Geno Smith is able to throw for two ninety in the touchdown. Um, Kenneth Walker it's averages five year old they looked they looked really good the offense to be honest with you yeah especially defense, against that defense yeah yeah and the, the and the pittsburgh defense is phenomenal so 
Um, it's really, it's a defensive problem, Mike. And that's, that's where my problem lies with Pete Carroll is that you're the defensive coach. You can't, you can't be a defensive head coach and have your op or your defense be completely terrible. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. They I have think... no, I'm just, I'm, and Pete Carroll said he wants Jamal Adams back next year. I just, I don't know if the guy's senile now. I, I don't know what the hell's going on. I think there's a little like he's playing the game, you know, he's going to, he did this with Russell as well. No, we want Russell back. Right. Knowing full well that that wasn't going to happen. No, but see, there but has... they, everybody says that John Schneider had to basically force Pete Carroll into trading Russell Wilson. Like he did not want to trade Russell Wilson. Well, According to all accounts. I mean, obviously we don't have it straight from the sure. horse's mouth, but. That's if that's the case, if you're that you have a you have a great question about this uh, later. And, I, and if I'll give my opinion with that in mind, uh, changes my opinion on it a little bit. But you can't be rigid um, in this sport. Right. And that could be a problem moving forward, frankly. Um, uh, quick. Sp- oh, sorry. I, I just wanted no. to real quick say I'm I'm uh i'm i'm really happy for mason rudolph that he's kind of gotten this second chance and really got my spotlight this week that's where i was going yeah 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 i'll let you no 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 i'm just i I, that's all i want to say was you know going for 275 or 274 in this game even though he didn't have any touchdowns um just ran an efficient offense it felt like the the running game really got on track obviously with with Najee Harris going for 122 and two touchdowns and Jalen Warren going for 75 and another. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's going to be there. If they can keep playing like this, they're going to be a tough out. Cause that defense is ferocious. Yeah. George Pickens went for 131, which is about half of Mason Rudolph's uh, passing yards yeah. this week. Um, he made some big throws when he needed to. Um, I mean, with a defense like this and we saw, we saw it with, Flacco with the defense like like they have you don't need to be crazy you don't need to like throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns every game to win because that that defense when you're up as an offense that defense has a little flexibility to kind of like cut it loose and be aggressive and do all those kind of things force some turnovers get some sacks some you know play that field position game that really helps that offense along and you know just being able to complete passes. I mean, to me, it's George Pickens in the running game that really kind of like the George Pickens kept kept the uh, chains moving and they just pounded the, the 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 run. They got my the Pittsburgh running game got my game balls. Two hundred and two total rushes. Najee Harris one twenty two two TDs. Warren had seventy five in a TD. That's ridiculous. And I watched some where we literally just bounced off these guys, and I don't I don't understand as a professional football player why we're not wrapping our arms around these players and i just it, it was so odd I maybe saw, there's something i don't understand about how the game is played now yeah but. i saw one of the seahawks beat reporters today post a video of a jalen warren run where five seahawks just whiffed on tackles they just yep he broke five tackles it was disgusting so i did start to watch this game but as it as it got it was plainly clear that that was going to be what I was watching all game. I kind of like tune it out a bit. Um, All right. Clippers at Clippers, the Chargers at Denver. 
Um, I always do that with this team. Um, like rain, no like ways. rain Prescott. No. It's always like, it's always the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, this game's outcome didn't matter. Uh, both of these teams have significant work to do over the off season. I'm pretty sure uh, both these teams will look very different next year. Um, my spotlight, only one TD in this game, uh, Jared Stidham to Lil Jordan Humphrey. That's an LAL apostrophe, which is just bonkers crazy. It's Humphrey, right? Not Humphrey, or is it Humphrey? It's Humphrey. What did I say? No, I thought it was Pumphrey for some reason. Oh, no, it's an H. Something else. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Game ball, I didn't give it to anybody. I mean, I couldn't. And, 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 yeah. (laughs) Moving on. Yeah. Next, Cincinnati at Chiefs. Or, uh, Chiefs uh, Cincinnati at Chiefs, yeah. Another unimpressive day for the Kansas City offense. Uh, they were one to three in the red zone, had to kick three field goals in the fourth quarter to kind of hold off Cincinnati. Um, conversely, I'll spotlight the Kansas City defense six sacks, 14 hits, held Cincinnati under 300 total yards, and just two for four in the red zone. So they really, they really are continuing to keep this team afloat while they figure out uh, the offensive issues. Yeah, yeah. Pacheco looked good in this game. Um, you know, Rasheed Rice is the only guy getting getting catches. I mean, other so Pacheco had seven catches for 35 yards and a touchdown to go along with his 130 yards rushing. I'm sure he probably got your game ball. Rasheed Rice had five catches. After that, the, the most – they had two guys with three and Travis Kelsey's one of those, like how Travis Kelsey is only getting three catches for 16 yards in an NFL game is we brought that, I brought that up the other day. It's just insane. If you're, if you're a star tight end, this shouldn't have, this shouldn't be happening. Um, I gave the game ball. I mean, is he done? Do you think I, I won't say unequivocally he's done, but we've seen it before with, tight ends and kickers and quarterbacks even they're they're like up to that point where they're great and then they fall off the planet Uh, that happened he's 34 that's you remember when that those the new orleans saints won the super bowl that year going into it they basically destroyed the careers of kurt warner and brett Favre. the next year after they uh played them in the i think the divisional and conference uh uh, NFC championship game, those guys fell off a cliff. Now, I don't know if it was because of that or just the accumulation of hits and all that stuff over the years, or frankly, the will to continue to go on and put yourself through this after you've made a good amount of money and have a couple of uh, Super Bowl rings. Who knows the motivation? Maybe it's not a physical issue. Maybe it's a motivation issue with him, but definitely is not at the same level he was last last year yeah I, I gave Patrick Mahomes my game ball because I feel like he's the team MVP and he should probably get it every year unless somebody else just jumps off the page which hasn't really happened this year despite Pacheco's great game yeah um I just wanted to like I'm I'm sad for Jake Browning you know his this kind of completion percentage just keeps falling um, it was just over 50% this week for 197 yards and a touchdown took six sacks for 38 yards. That's tough. He did run for seven or seven times for 32 yards and a touchdown. Um, but only being able to get Jamar chase the ball three times. Um, 
Yeah, you got to do better than that. Yeah, yeah. Jake had a few, had what? Remember we said you have three good games or whatever, and just kind of like it's just ticking down. It was like four interceptions last game. He didn't throw any picks this week, so that's good. But anyways, all right. Green Bay at Minnesota. Minnesota is not good at QBing. Um, post that amazing five-game winning streak, Minnesota has gone one for five and have to uh, and have to go to Detroit to wrap, wrap up their final game, um, at which is they have to win the game in order to get in, have an opportunity to get in. I mean, I like their coach. Um, Kevin O'Connell, um, he seems to – I like it how calm he is. I like how it, it, he's really trying. I just – I think the front office needs to get busy here and find some talent and bridge and get him into the doors. Um, I don't think the team's good enough. I think they're playing above themselves right now in part because of the coaching staff. Um, so keep them, but let's start bringing in some talent turned over your roster over the last couple of years. You got rid of the Dalvin cooks. You got a really, you have a pretty good receiving core right now. We have to figure out how to run the football. Uh, that's an offensive line. That's a, that's a running back. Their defense is good, but they're small in the secondary and they need somebody to go uh, next to uh, Daniil Hunter. If he's even there, it's likely he leaves in free agency next year anyway. So uh, I think he signed a one-year contract with them just to get him in the, just to hold him down, but they were having some contract disputes, um, you know, at the beginning of the year. So my guess is he's not there either. They're going to have a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, they're definitely playing outside of what I think the talent on that team is right now. Uh, I agree. All right. This win moved Green Bay into the seventh seed, bumping Seattle. In any scenario, if Green Bay wins and – uh, if any in any scenario, if Green Bay wins, they're in. Uh, so, as a Seahawks fan, you root for a Seattle win and a Green Bay loss, and you should be in. Um, yeah, that's it. Jordan Love, seventy three percent on thirty three attempts, two fifty six and three TDs, and him out on the field spraying apple cider out of a bottle like a maniac uh, post game was very weird to me. Yeah, he also ran for a touchdown. And uh, this was basically, I was ahead by, I think, like 30 points uh, going into this game. And the guy I was playing in my fantasy league had Jordan Love. And it just destroyed my my chances. So thanks, Jordan yeah. Love. There you go. Good job, bud. All right. Let's look forward at week 18. Uh, I did some little initial research to see how many like games that we really have to cover. And it's going to be about 11. There's several... Um, I guess five games uh, to be specific that really aren't worth uh, the time. They have no playoff implications. There were teams that have already been eliminated or locked into place and starters aren't playing. So, so unless, uh, unless one of them has something incredible happen, we're not talking about that. Yeah. If there's a single performance that happens in that game, then like maybe we'll bring that up. But I mean, we're not going to do the deep analysis of, or the, you know, whatever we're doing now. I don't know if it's so deep what we're doing, but um, we're not going to dive in it too much. So that being said, uh, I've made a few bets. I have a couple of games that I would like to see. So uh, I'll start, I guess, Houston at Indianapolis. Uh, when in you're in, we, as we talked about before, uh, that in either of these teams have an option to even win 
the AFC South. It's so funny to have that division wide open for three teams going into week 18. I think that's going to be the weirdest or most exciting or like head scratching, like scenario. Um, And depending on what happens with any of that, Pittsburgh could get in. So it's, it's all kind of waiting for this particular game to land before we really figure out what's going on. Yeah. I'm, I have that one on my list too. It's going to be, I mean, it's one of the few that are really meaningful this coming week. So. Yep. I got Minnesota at Detroit. I think Detroit can still make the second seed if they win, depending on what happens with Dallas. Um, But they're, they're already guaranteed a spot, um, whether that's the second or third, because they did win the division. They'll, they'll be third at the very least a third seed rather Um, Minnesota. They still have a chance to make the play, the playoffs. Ironically, they every single other person has to lose. So Detroit, or so, I'm sorry, Green Bay has to lose. Seattle has to lose. They all have to lose in order for him, for that team. Um, yeah, I guess New Orleans is back in this, but in this, well, if New Orleans wins, then they're the four seed. No, it's Tampa Bay. Oh, okay. Tampa Bay has to win too, but I mean, if if Tampa loses and New Orleans loses, or whatever scenario, if one gets in from the AFC West, the other one has to, or from the uh, NFC South, the other one has to lose. Right. Got that it. that's what I'm saying is, is like if Tampa and New Orleans win, they're out. But if you can have Tampa win, let's say. And then New Orleans lose. Everyone else has to lose. I'm, I'm just saying it's a long shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. I, I didn't even. I didn't have that game on my list because I didn't think Minnesota had a chance after losing to Green Bay. So, well, I mean, I'll take a. I'll take a peek at it. Just kind of like in my mind, like we'll see. We'll see if they can kind of like squeak into the into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, my last one, obviously, is Buffalo at Miami. This one's for all the marbles. I think that's going to be an incredible game. I had that one as well. And then I just added Bears and Packers and Seahawks and Cardinals because, I mean, those two teams are essentially fighting for that last. They have the best odds of making that last playoff spot. So So I don't I don't believe Seattle wins this game. I have Arizona plus two and a half and the over 47 and a half for this game. Um, So that's my bet. They're going to win by like 30 and look like they're they can't be beat maybe but we don't play arizona very well honestly um we'll we'll have to see um i also have dallas i have washington plus 13 and a half at dallas i thought that line was a little a little high um but you know it's a interdivisional you know battle these teams play each other hard no matter what uh, Jacoby might be back. Who knows? This team might just go out of their way to put Dallas in the in the five speed seed. All right, Houston at um, Indianapolis. I got the money line on Indy. My 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 money is on them winning. So and they're an underdog um, at this point. So I think it was minus two and a half when I looked uh, for Houston. Houston minus two and a half when I looked last. Um, very close, but I think I think Indy is going to pull this out. All right, that's that's my bit. All right, man. So All time right. for my question of the week. 
Roll it out. So, Mike, what happens to the old head coaches? See what I did there? Uh, Belichick and Pete Carroll after this season. To, like Obviously, New England's out of the playoffs. Um, and like we both, neither one of us thinks Seattle's making it either. So, on those, under those parameters, what do you think happens next year with these guys? I think it's likely that Pete Carroll is the coach for Seattle. Uh, and I think it's unlikely that Bill Belichick is the coach for New England. Um, now, moving forward, the one thing that's the rub, I don't, if I was an owner of a team or a general manager, or whoever's making a, you know, president of a football operations, whoever's making the decision on the hire. I don't think I'd let Bill Belichick, for example, have any say in personnel um, there. He might, that might be over like his, his head at this point, right? He can still coach. He knows the fundamentals of football. He, he can create and teach and he has an idea of the type of player that he can use and where he can use them. Um, I, I still think he's one of the best defensive coaches in the league, as we saw with how well that New England defense competes week after week. Um, and if you have a strong defense and a capable offense and you, you do really well with your other hires, but I think he just needs to be out of personnel decisions at this point. Um, and if he can, if he can get to that point, um, then I'd like to say he'd be successful. Pete Carroll, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I've never been a huge fan, to be honest. Um, I like some of the stuff that he does. Um, they hit they hit lightning in a bottle with their 2011 through about 2014 picks. Um, they were the second best team in the 2010s, and it was because of Pete Carroll. But I don't see a lot of evolution in the way that team is developed. Um, and we I, I can't. One other thing, um, really excited. Mentioned that. Pete Carroll, according to all accounts, did not want to trade Russell Wilson, had to be convinced by John Schneider to do it. The other thing that I heard was when we drafted Rashad Penny, at, I think at the end of the first round a few years ago, right? the entire Pete, or, uh, John Schneider and the entire um, front office team were sold on Nick Chubb, but Brian Schottenheimer had coached Nick Chubb for a year at Ohio State. Is that where he came? Wherever he was. Georgia. Georgia, yeah. So uh, Brian Schottenheimer had coached Nick Chubb for a year at Georgia and said he didn't like his attitude or something, as according to uh, one of the one of the beat writers that I was listening to on the radio or on a podcast. So. You know, like, I think that team, like, our, our offense would have looked a lot different over the last few years with Nick Chubb back there toting the rock instead of, you know, the often injured Rashad Penny. Yeah, I always look at those as maybe sliding door moments. Like, do we have the same line? Do we have a better line? Do we have a worse line? Who knows what we have when you – you can't just interchange those players, unfortunately. So, I mean, I get it. Nick Chubb is way better than Penny. Well, can never hope to be um but it's i don't know in, in that system is nick chubb is successful i don't know yeah. all right <clears throat> anything else with the question of the week um you know i'm just wondering how many how many coaches do you anticipate 
there's already three job openings now. How many more do you think there will be? Do you think? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming Washington fires Ron Rivera. So the three. What are the one? The three that you're meant you're thinking Sandy, of right now? Or, uh, I was going to say San Diego. It's uh, Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Well, just the position. So the so the clip the Chargers, the Raiders. I assume Raiders. And oh man, who was the third coach that got fired? Oh, Carolina. Carolina. All right. Um, I think we have to add sweaty. Washington to that. I'm assuming Ron Rivera gets. I think that's probably number four on that list for me. Um, maybe the Titans. I don't think um, Vrabel's very happy. I've heard of Vrabel. What's going on there? Yeah, I've heard of Vrabel leaving to go to New England, possibly. Oh, that would be an interesting little thing there. Um, maybe Soriano. I don't know. He was one game removed from a Super Bowl and had a double digit. I don't know. That team seems to be falling apart pretty quickly. Um, you think New? You think uh, Dable leaves New York, or you think they hang on to him? I mean, not that. He, I think. I don't know. I think you have to. I think they need to. As a franchise, you need to understand. Like, I'm not doing what I need to do as a GM. I'm not doing what I need to do to make Dayball successful. I don't have the offensive pieces he needs, and um, I'm doing my best to build that defense out. They're competing, no question, but they're just – they're about two or three players short there. And I know it's not easy to find all these guys, right? But uh, I still think Dayball is a good head coach. The fact that he gets these team, this team up to five wins competing, he's gone through four quarterbacks this year. Is it four? Um, it's just – it's insane that they're, they even have five wins – and they're pushing these teams to the brink. They push the Rams to the brink. They push the Eagles to the brink. We'll see what happens this week. Um, I would say if I was the Giants, I'd say just lose this game. <laughs> just let Philly get in, um, what, have the opportunity about, to get that. Yeah, what about uh, Sala in New York? Wild card. I think they're going to give him a couple more years. I think this is a throwaway year. And they couldn't tell anything because the, the the offensively the personnel was too bad. They're kind of hamstrung, from what I understand, with like their like how much money they have for free agents and such. So they have to really draft well. They have to be honest with themselves about what they need. Um, I don't know. Maybe Wilson's fine. I don't, <laughs> if you have um, Aaron Rodgers there, but they might want to find somebody that's a little bit more competent game to game, uh, a little bit more consistent. Maybe a game manager um, versus a gunslinger or whatever. Just somebody that goes in there can make a few throws with that defense. You don't have to score a lot of points. Like, I don't know, like a Case Keenum type, right? An old veteran that kind of can move the ball down the field, make a couple of good throws. I think their defense is good enough to overcome those errant interceptions that he throws from time to time or that sack fumble that you're, you're going to give up. Uh, but if I figure – with a guy at 41, if you can if you can play and win three out of four games with a backup quarterback, you're, you're gonna be you're gonna be in good shape. Yep, I agree. Okay. All right, quickly I, take corner. Do you have anything? Are you still on your take corner hiatus? Uh, yeah, I just said uh, yeah, I think that the college football playoff semifinals were probably the two best in combination with one another. 
There's no right. problem. Pause on that. Let let's circle because they're my good this week. Okay. Like exactly what you're about to go into. Okay. All right. Yeah. So let's let's I'll, pause I'll, on that. Yep. Okay. All right. What are your takes? So with that all okay, I just have one. And it, it is the, the college football playoff. They're gonna move to a twelve game turn tournament next year, essentially, right? We all know this. I think it will both save college and destroy college as we know it. Um, the stakes will be returned to the, the college football uh, postseason. These bowl games this year were like horrible. They weren't fun to watch. Most of the best players were out of these games. Um, I think if you put had add stakes to this, it's a different scenario. Um, as soon as people got into these, like the Alamo Bowl or the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl or whatever bowls that they had going on, they're like, I am not going to put myself at risk to play this game. I'm going in the transfer portal immediately or I'm declaring for the draft or I'm going to go see what my draft status is. And they're just out. And I, I'm glad that they have the option to do that, but I'd like to see some of these games with a little bit more stakes. Now on the con side of the 12-game tournament, um, there's really no reason to have a full season period. We don't have to call it the Rose Bowl anymore. We don't have to call it the Sugar Bowl anymore. Um, I guess that you can still have some of these smaller schools compete, you know, give them an opportunity to compete in some of these postseason games, like the not not the Power Five, but whatever the the next five, I forget what they're called. But um, these these smaller conferences just give them an opportunity to play in these. I don't know; those games aren't as fun to me. Uh, but I think it's going to destroy destroy bowl season just in general. Yeah, you're probably right. Um... Yeah, yeah, I did see that uh, Kirk Herbstreet had made the point that he feels like uh, the the championship of the new bowl playoff should always be uh, at the Rose Bowl, which would be cool. I think, I mean, obviously we're not burning the stadiums down, so we can do that. Maybe we call it the CFP championship at the Rose Bowl or whatever, but... The actual game, the Rose Bowl, it's not necessary. The Citrus Bowl is not necessary. Right. Just play in those stadiums, perhaps. Or do it like a regional thing, right, where you break it down into four regions or whatever, and you play those games at the stadium, and then they go to a main place, Las Vegas or whatever, and play the championship game there. Atlanta has a nice stadium, uh, things like that. Uh, over at SoFi, perhaps. So interesting stuff, though. All right. All right. Um, uh, that was it. All I had for take corner. Uh, just breeze through diversity real quick. Yeah. What do you got? Um, a couple of like garbage, like action shows or garbage sci-fi, like things that I've been kind of over the holidays has really been uh pounding through. So the MonsterVerse. Have you ever heard of this thing? No. So uh, I think it's Tohoku is the Japanese company that came up with the concept of Godzilla and has licensed um, Godzilla and they've lumped in uh, King Kong into that and they put out a series of movies. There's a reboot of Godzilla in 2014, Kong, uh, Kong Skull Island in 17, King of Monsters, Godzilla King of Monsters in 2019. About every two years they come out with something. Now they have to come out with these things over and over again in order to maintain their, it's the, the leg legacy production company or whatever. They right. have to continue to put these things out in order to maintain the rights 
to make the movies every couple of years. So, and then obviously Toho Co. Um, it put out the the latest Godzilla uh, minus one. Okay. It's a completely different universe storyline. It's from the Japanese perspective. It's true to the original, which is basically like uh, the United States is an imperialist that is dropping nukes on people, and it caused a mutation of a lizard or something. And it turned into a, like a, essentially a fire breathing dragon that destroyed Tokyo. So it was like this metaphor for, you know, nuclear power and how dangerous it is and stuff. So they're going to stick more with that. Uh, okay. But anyways, in these ones, just, we just hammered right through them because I wanted to watch this prequel called Monarch, which is this theoretical um, government entity that manages these, what they call titans, these big monsters and shit. So Legacy of Monsters, Monarch Legacy of Monsters is, is what I've been watching the last couple of days. Man, I just breezed through, I think, the first four or five episodes last night. It was it was pretty darn good. It but, Hey, it's not high quality like movies or television, but it's just it's just fun and entertaining. So I would I would advise if you're not if you haven't checked them out, just just take a look at them. I wanted to get fully involved in the environment, which is I which which is why I went back and watched all the other ones. Um, and it's somewhat relevant because there's some flashback sequences, but the the TV series is more about the creation of Monarch. It's kind of a prequel to the 2014 Godzilla, but yeah, it's pretty good. Probably not up your alley though. Probably not. Probably not, but it's all right. <laughs> we, we can't all. All right. Another, another trash sci-fi uh, series that I, I finished up over the holidays was uh, Maze Runner. I started watching the first one, like, I don't know, about five, six months ago. And then I was like, hey, I'm going to watch the other two. And we just sat down one day where we're just hanging on the couch in the morning on one of our days off and just powered through those. That was pretty fun nice. if you're in the mood to like watch something that's just not like it doesn't drain any of your energy it's not like it's not particularly good but it's like fun i guess yeah and it's just you know it's just something to like something to watch something good to watch i guess okay that's my diversity for this this week um my diversity for this week is i uh, flipped on netflix on New Year's Day for a few minutes and saw that there was a new Dave Chappelle comedy special uh, called The Dreamer and freaking masterpiece. You like these comedy specials too. I Well, I love Dave Chappelle. Like you can't, I'm, that's my, he's the, he's the greatest of all time. Uh, he's your dog. The greatest of all time. <laughs> uh, he's my favorite comedian, man. Cause I don't like just like telling like, you know, like, punchline jokes like he does like he weaves you through a story and then you know you come out the other side i think it's just incredible he does it from um I forget what the theater is called in washington dc and maybe the lincoln theater but um he said that was where he filmed his first special 24 years earlier with his pregnant girlfriend in the front row who's now his wife and the baby that she was carrying he's like now I smoke weed with that motherfucker. He's 24 now or whatever his uh, son. And then um, it was just, it was good, man. It was, uh, it was, it was a cool, cool. Like I, I enjoyed it. I, I think anybody should check it out if you like comedy and, and like laughing and thinking um, it's pretty, it's worthwhile. It's quick hour and uh, in and out, but yeah, it's uh, it was, it was worth it. 
Right on. Yeah. All right. Anything else in diversity? No, that's it for me. All right. Let's herd these goats and get out of here. All right. Um, Mike, good. We'll get to it. Uh, CFP semifinal, two great games, a lot of momentum changes. Uh, UW won their game. Take it away, Jeremy. My good is the my good is the Washington Huskies alone, but yeah, the um the CFP man, these two semifinals, it was the best two games. Like normally, one of the semifinals is just a freaking blowout. Um, there's been a lot of good single singular good games. Um, in these semifinals over the last ten years that they've been doing this for, it's usually um, lopsided where one game's close and one game's a complete blowout. Exactly, exactly. So. Uh, we got we got treated. There were, both games came down to the last play, although the the Husky game definitely shouldn't have. I don't like it was just a series of unfortunate events that led to uh, Texas having the ball first. Or uh, is that what they call their prevent defense? A series of unfortunate events. That's what I call it. Well, that's what you call when uh, your your long snapper inadvertently just jumps in front of the freaking punt returner uh, when he's trying to make a fair catch and gets a fifteen yard penalty. After they are, after your running back gets hurt and stops the clock, so essentially we should have been punting to them with about 14 seconds left on the game clock. Instead, we punted back to them with 50 seconds left on the game clock, and just all craziness ensued. It was the so most- that the injury the injury was freak, but I mean you're right. It's attention to detail that needs to tighten up, um, like that kick return or the kickoff on issue yeah. or whatever it was <laughs> running into that guy. And then they just chunk yarded us down the field until they got to about the 12. And uh, then they, then Texas, Steve Sarkeesian and uh, Quint Ewers lost their goddamn minds and started throwing just inexplicable balls out to the flat and over the head of everyone in the end zone. And uh, yeah, we were talking about Sarkeesian, like squatting down, like yeah. and calling plays. I'd never seen anything from a, from a grown man like every, that every time they on the side of a football the sideline, he was squatted down on the field. I was, was like, weird. what is he doing? Yeah. So crazy. So. All right. Did you want to go into the, to the, the good with uh, UW? Did you have I any more points think, on, man, on that? I'm just so excited. I'm so nervous. I'm so, I just don't even know how to feel, man. I, I was so kind of, I don't know, man, I was almost catatonic watching the, the game on Monday. Like, I know you were over Mike and my brother was here and his wife and kids. And I was just it was a blast. Yeah. Everybody else I think was having a great time. I was like, so fucking nervous. I could not help myself. I like, wasn't being very social. I was really just staring at the TV and trying to like figure out what the hell was going on. But yeah, it, cause it felt like it was over. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was like kind of relaxing. And then that last probably 30 minutes of 30 minutes, real time of, that was like equivalent to the last two minutes of the game just about killed me. So we have, to, we have to find some, some way for you to find peace in those moments, whether it's meditation, whether it's, I was trying you know, to, whatever I was trying to meditate. I, tw- I tell you, man, I was trying to manifest them, just everything stopping and just slowing down. I was, oh, it was tough. Um, well, well, what was just, that? I'm Paul Durham usually, line to teach you how to, Breathe through your eyelids. Yeah, that would be that would be helpful. Something yeah, that, that's down. my good man. That's my good Washington Huskies. Do your thing, Michael Penix. Just that guy. I oh, so that's what I was going to talk about. I saw Mike Lombardi on talking about 
Michael Penix and how insanely good his deep balls are like just dropping them on a dime. He was like, if Al Davis was alive today, Michael Penix would be the Raiders first, uh, first round pick. I don't care if they were picking one or if they were picking 32, wherever he was, if Michael Penix was available, he's drafting it. Um, and then whoever was interviewing was like, that might not be a terrible idea with Devonte Adams. There you go. You know, you could put the ball up and let him go get it. But, um, like his his resilience from all of his injury history that he came back from, um, the coach coming they they talked about the the offensive coordinator was like living in his sister's basement in South Dakota when he got a call from now the now Washington Huskies head coach to come uh, coach with him at like Sioux Falls State University in South Dakota where they won three or four national NIAI or NAIA uh, uh, championships. Yeah, EIO champion. Yeah, something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible, man. The run these guys are on. Longest well, winning streak my... in the nation, 21 straight games. Well, I'm excited to see what next week brings us. Um, got my fingers crossed. Um We'll have to probably play it by ear again to see whether I'm allowed over there to watch that game. Um, Everybody came over and I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm reserving the right to throw all of you motherfuckers out of here if anything starts going bad. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we were doing well the whole time. So I'm, I'm happy, man. It was a good game. It was fun. It was fun having people around. I think it helped, helped my mental state. So. I, I think when you look back on this, if everything works out like we want it to um, and having being surrounded by people that are of like mind in that moment and can kind of enjoy that moment with you, I think is always, always fun. Just don't have a Michigan fan over or something yeah, exactly. like that. Cause that's an absolute nightmare. Those people. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Eric, who is one of my, my friends that you know as well, he's actually going to the game in Houston. Got tickets on on Monday night after after uh, everything was said and done. So him and another guy are flying down there. I was just like, I was like, I'm giving you money. You've got to get me a, a t shirt or a sweatshirt or something, man. I need some kind of souvenir from this thing. So awesome. All right, All right cool. What's your bad? Bet. Well, you sent me that um, something, uh, some tweet today, uh, Seth McLaughlin. Now, we watched it in real time. He was the center for Alabama in the first semifinal of the day. A lot of issues snapping the ball. There was an interaction between him and uh, the coach Saban, the coach Saban, coach Saban, uh, when he had like back-to-back horrible snaps where he basically just like skipped him across the, the turf. And it was in a very – important kind of down and distance scenario um and having done it back to back and you know and back to back uh snaps really he was yelling at people um uh, mclaughlin like why are you yelling at people it wasn't even like a wrong counter and you just didn't even get the ball in his hands and that became it became a problem later on in that final drive where the one where he was supposed on the fourth down call it was another low snap where he had to kind of step back didn't have that forward momentum and it really caused a lot of problems that guy has actually entered the transfer portal and i wanted to talk to you about whether you thought it was like Saban going you're gone you better enter the transfer portal now 
or whether he's like, I, all the people in Alabama hate me. I have to enter the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, I, it could really be either do you one. Think, do you think him going was proactive or reactive, I guess, is the, the question? Uh, yeah, I would probably vote for the proactive, but you never know. I mean, those fans down there are nuts, so who knows? I kind of feel bad for the guy. It sucks to have it on that, to be the one that you kind of can go, wow, this really affected this game. It was really close up into those back-to-back skipped snaps and then it kind of like at the at the moment where they couldn't have it it happened again so i guess he's an interior lineman so they probably moved him around a bunch of places i'm my guess is center is not his his first pick the way he was just snapping it back it wasn't even like he, he didn't have any lift on it just watching it in slow motion i'm like take an extra second get the ball off the ground but it's like I feel like you just get it out of my hand and go to my spot. Yeah, not good. All right, my, ugly. My bad. My bad oh, is, you're bad. Yeah, you're my bad. bad is uh, Pete Carroll's. Pete Carroll should not be allowed to challenge or make decisions on challenges anymore. Or if somebody's up in the booth telling him when and when not to make challenges, they need to fire that guy. Pete Carroll is the worst at this. I don't. I didn't look up like what his stats are for it exactly, but he is terrible, terrible, terrible at this. He he. I think he listens he to other people. Play. He challenged a play, Mike, on Sunday. I think it was George Pickens caught a ball, got the first down, and Pete Carroll challenged that he got the first down, but he didn't make it as far as they said he did. He wanted to back it up two yards. Yeah. And I'm like, who gives a sh- – like, why are you doing that? We could probably use that timeout later, man. What are you doing? Anyway, I I really hope he is no longer the Seahawks head coach next year. So go ahead. Wow. Ugly. The, go. Really going downhill with Pete Carroll and you. All right. Uh, ugly. David Tepper, uh, owner of the Carolina Panthers, uh, just adding to his jackassness. Throwing a drink drink on a Jacksonville fan whilst in their own stadium. They he was in Jacksonville when he did this and got oh, that was I don't know. Jack- oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was Carolina at Jacksonville, right? Yeah, it was it was at Jacksonville. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it was crazy. All right. So another thing, I heard this on another podcast, and I think I agree, but I'm gonna ask you the same question. Is he now the worst owner in football? Is he the new bad owner? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I would have to think about it, but I I, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. I mean, I'm I think sure, I think sure that I think the air- terrible people, but we don't see much of them. So, well, I mean, they're they're not making. Sh- shitty decisions about football and they're not dumping drinks on people as far as we know yeah. i mean i'm not talking about what the person is like what we don't see sure. but we see tepper we see how he's destroying the the carolina panthers we see the the mess that he's made um the browns owner is close i mean i think he stole yeah. 51 million dollars from customers uh never convicted though i mean when well, we know how that goes um i think that the dallas cowboy owner um jerry jones 
uh, profited some amazing amount of money when people were freezing in Texas uh, and those surge prices hit. He made a ton of money off the surge prices. Meanwhile, people were, you know, dying in their garage because they had their, you know, fires on. And it's just like it's it's weird how these guys are. So I, there's a lot of bad, bad people out there, man. But I think he's the worst football owner right now in the sense that as a football, like as in the football sphere, he's probably making the most mistakes. I'll keep an eye on that uh, that kid over that Charles. Um, what's his name? The Arizona owner. Um, Charles. Oh, Michael oh, Bidwell. Michael Bidwell yeah. yeah, that guy is there's some there's some stuff going on about some bad like in like bad environments. What what do I want to say? Like sexual harassment stuff, bad working environment. Thank you. That kind of stuff going on there. I don't know. I'll have to dig into it. He seems, but... he seems like a weird guy too, man. I I've seen a few interviews. I, I will say if that's true, he actually wins. Uh, but I've heard, I've, I've read a lot of like anecdotal evidence of some weird stuff going on. There's some weird stuff with the GM leaving uninspectedly, them firing a offensive line coach for some inappropriate behavior while on a road trip in Mexico. Um, just some weird stuff with that. And that, that kind of environment is always, um, I don't know. All right. Well, my uh, my ugly mic is the officiating at the end of that Detroit Dallas game, and just to say that NFL needs to just hire full time referee. They need to pay these guys full time, have them in just learning in the off season and training and being officials during the season and being held more accountable for what for their actions. Hey. You know how I feel about this. I've used referees in the bad or the ugly several times this year during this thing. So I am in a hundred percent agreement with what you're saying. Uh, let's hire them full time. Let's have a training program. Let's have a pipeline for guys. Let's, let's make this a real deal. Let's start incorporating technology into the process so we can stop avoiding this stuff. Wouldn't it be nice if the offensive court coordinator can just type in uh, eligible tackle eligible 68. And that goes into some like the microphone, 68 reports into the ref, into the referees um, thing. And just like we don't have to do this subterfuge anymore, that kind of stuff. So anyways, All right. right. Well, hey, everybody, uh, listen, like, rate, review and share the podcast, please. No quote of the week, man. I'm just not finding anything that really like speaks to me. Um, but well, I'll keep All trying. Right. Yeah, keep trying, man. We got one more. We got one more regular season left. So, all right. All right. Till next week, guys. Till next week.